Hi, welcome to Exploring the Illusion of Free Will. My name is George Ortega, and this is episode number 126, How Free Will Belief Poisons Anger. Okay, we're taping on Tuesday, June 18th, 2013. Okay, and the basic premise, the basic theme today is just like that. I mean, like, there's stuff in life that makes us angry, and a lot of times the anger is actually, you know, misdirected at other people and ourselves. Because, you know, if we had a free will, then it wouldn't be misdirected. But since since we don't, it is. So, like, what happens is, like, when we become angry, we don't often have just the anger to deal with. We also have to deal with misdirecting it. And it just, like, causes a lot of problems that we, we wouldn't have to deal with if we understood and lived by the, the reality that, that nobody has a free will. All right, so before we go into that, as I usually do, I'm going to like just um, basically start off by defining what we tend to mean when we say that we have a free will, why we don't have it, why this show is important. Okay, so basically people, when they say we have a free will, they, they mean that like, that what we do, think, feel, say is up to us, that nothing that's not in our control is making us do what we do, okay? You know, I mean, like, you know, that, that, that basically, you know, and, and the, the kind of like a correlate to that or an extension of that is that if we had a free will, we would be fundamentally as distinct from pragmatically morally responsible for what we do. In other words, like, if, if, we, have, if we had a free will and we did something wrong, it would be more morally correct to hold us fundamentally responsible, you know. But but since we don't, you know, we, we only kind of like have to act as if we're responsible. And I'll get into that maybe in this show, actually. All right, so like the ideas are, so like the reason we don't have a free will, I mean, there's various ways of explaining this. I'm going to go into it in terms of the pleasure principle in a couple of episodes from now. But the basic reason is because everything has a cause, okay? And so here's what happens. Like, you know, you decide something, you think something, you feel something, you say something, you do something, okay? And there's going to be a cause to why you did that. Why? Because everything has to have a cause, okay? (laughs) And so, like, what happens? All right, so your decision, what you do has a cause, right? But again, keep in mind, everything has a cause. So that means that the cause, whatever made you do what you do, think what you thought, whatever, also has a cause, okay? And that cause to the cause of what you did also has a cause. And there's a cause to that cause, and there's a cause to that cause, all right? So these causes are going back in time, moment by moment, you know, because basically... We can, some people say that, well, we don't know what the cause is to what we do stuff. We do know. Basically, the cause to everything we do, most generally, most comprehensively, is the state of the universe at the moment prior to our doing it. And the, the, the cause of that state is the state before that. So we have this causal regression of going back to, like, whatever we did that we can d- define or state as the states of the universe prior to what we did. 
regressing back in time and these causal antecedents, you know, if you follow the chain of cause and effect, that's why they call it, you know, cause and effect is a chain, you know, a cause will have an effect and that effect will be the cause of the next effect and that effect will be, so if you follow this backwards, this chain of cause and effect goes back to before we were born. Okay, it goes back to before the planet was created. Before the, <laughs> presumably, goes back to before the Big Bang. Okay, that's how that's how far back this stuff is is going. So, like that, that is the basic, fundamental, clearly irrefutable reason why we never had a free will. We can never have a free will. It's completely, absolutely, categorically impossible. Okay. That's the reality. Okay. Now, some people will say, well, wait a minute. Um, maybe, maybe not everything is caused. You know, maybe some things aren't caused. I mean, this, this comes from this quantum mechanics nonsense that, you know, with, with Heisenberg uncertainty principle and stuff. I mean, the best, the best that a causality or things happening indeterministically uncaused will give you is that some things don't have a cause. So, like, if what you do and think and feel and say doesn't have a cause, if it didn't have a cause, it couldn't have been caused by your free will, it couldn't have been caused by your will. All right, so that, you know, so like this, this notion of a causality will not grant your free will. Sometimes people say, well, sometimes things can be the cause of themselves. It's this like Latin term that they call causa sui, okay? Galen Strawson, a philosopher back in the 80s, basically described that nothing can be cause of sweet, nothing can be the cause of itself, you know, except maybe the, the universe at the very beginning, who knows, but that's inconsequential, because like, after the Big Bang, everything absolutely, categorically, irrefutably has a cause. But again, if, if what you did was causing itself, as, as incoherent as the concept may seem, you couldn't have been causing it, your will couldn't have been causing it, so that doesn't leave uh, room for free will. The last kind of like causal kind of thing that people try to present to preserve free will is like the idea that, well, you know, like this causality concept just refers to physical reality and our thoughts, our decisions, what we do, they're actually spiritual in nature. They're not physical. You know, you can't touch them. You can't measure them. They're spiritual. They're not physical. But here's the thing. All right. Define a decision as spiritual. It's going to be taking place in a moment in time. Okay, it's going to. In other words, at a precise moment in time is when you will have had that quote-unquote spiritual decision. Now, if it's a part of time, you know, as Einstein demonstrated, you know, um, you can't really have time without space. You can't really have space without time. I mean, they kind of go together. That's why, you know, in physics, sometimes you'll refer to the concept of space-time. You know, they're kind of like mutually necessary. So, if a decision is taking place inside of time, which it must be, you know, it has to hap happen at a certain moment in time, then obviously it's got to be part of this physical um, universe. And, you know, even more than that, this principle of causality, no, it doesn't just refer to physical entities. I mean, in physics, we, we've demonstrated it, you know, it's actually a priori, you know, knowledge that, you know, everything has to have a cause. It's a, it doesn't require evidence. That's how strong it is. But, but again, it's, it's, causality is not just a physical construct. It's also a conceptual construct that applies to anything, spiritual included. All right. 
So that's why free will is absolutely, completely, completely, completely impossible. Why is this important? Well, first, how important is this? There's a guy, John Searle. He was, in, in 2010, they did a list um, comparison of philosophers who were born after 1900 to see like how they rank. You know, they rank philosophers, have these lists. And John Searle, this American philosopher, was ranked number 13, okay? And there's like, there's got to be like tens, hundreds of thousands of, of, and this is world philosophers. This isn't just like American philosophers. There's got to be like, I would guess, at least hundreds of thousands of philosophers in the world. So he's number 13. What he said back in 2005 in Susan Blackmore's book, Conversations on Consciousness, was that for free will to be acknowledged by the world as an illusion would be a bigger revolution in our thinking, I'm quoting here, than Einstein or Copernicus or Newton or Galileo or Darwin. I'm not sure I got those words exactly in order. Then he said, it would alter our entire conception of our relation with the universe. Okay, that's how big it is. You know, we, you know how big is this? We think stuff is up to us. Absolutely nothing is up to us. We think that we have a free will to decide, independent of this causality, you know, what we do. We don't decide any. Life is a movie. This, this is major. And so, like, so the idea is, like, why is this important? You know, as, as we're going to be going through in this episode, it creates problems. It creates problems personally. It creates problems societally. It creates problems globally. Okay. So, let's, let's get to the theme. All right, anger. Anger is generally a psychological term. Uh, it's been defined as a reaction to a perceived injustice, okay? If, some, if somebody does something that you feel is unjust, they steal from you, they, they you know, abuse you, they just do something that you consider not fair, not just, we have this hardwired primal emotion called anger. It's an, it's an emotion. <laughs> and what happens is like, in our human psychology, physiology, our emotions will probably, will, will sometimes precede our reasoning. In other words, we'll, we'll find that we're angry at something, you know, we'll find this anger, and then we'll ask, well, what are, what are we angry with? You know, what are we angry at? Okay? So then we try to identify the reason for that anger. Now here's the thing. When we, like, believe that we have a free will, we are, like, wrongly, mistakenly, delusionally attributing the cause of that anger to, let's say, a person who, um, who did something that we consider wrong, okay, who said something we consider wrong, whatever, okay? And, all right, that's the mistake. That's like, you know, to the extent we do that, it creates problems. Now, what I'm going to go through now is, like, various scenarios, um, describing how, how just like, you know, I just want to say anger is, can be a useful emotion. In other words, like it alerts, it alerts our cognitive systems to, to a potential threat in the environment, you know, to a potential, something that needs to be addressed. Okay, it's an emotion. The key thing here is like also that like once we've had the emotion, it's, it's served its purpose. We don't have to continue to like to be angry every moment of every day, you know, about stuff, because that's not necessary. As long as we understand why we're angry, we can just allow the cognitive processes to take over. Sometimes anger can serve as a, a motivator, but 
generally there are like better motivators to do things. All right. So anyway, let's let's go through some scenarios where like the free will belief makes matters much worse, you know, in terms of anger. All right. So first one is like, you know, you're working for someone, you know, company, whatever, and you're expecting a raise and your boss doesn't give you the raise, okay? It doesn't matter what the reason is, you know. You consider it unfair. You, you know, you had some kind of like a verbal contractual agreement, whatever, that you should have been getting a raise, you know, and you didn't. Okay. Now, here's the thing. Um, you're angry, right? But to the extent that you express and feel the anger at your boss... It makes things worse in, in several ways. One is a lot of times when we're angry, um, the other person is aware of our anger. We may try to hide it. We may try to not express it, you know, but it will sometimes come out in passive-aggressive ways. It will come out in ways that are indirect, that, that you know, that would rather not, you know, express whatever. Um, and the, the problem with that is, like, you know, if you become angry at your boss not giving you a, a raise, and then your, your boss, who probably believes you have a free will too, because like this belief, this delusion is so ubiquitous, probably believes that you have free will, so he's going to be ang angry back at you for being angry with him, okay? And that's going to make like getting the raise a bit more difficult. But the other thing is like, you know, to the extent that you're angry at your boss for not giving you a raise, um, it distracts you from the matter at hand. In other words, like your, your basic desire, your basic focus at this point is to get the raise. So like if you're busy with this um, emotion, this, this angry reaction at the person who's like, you know, has the power to give it to you or not, you're being distracted from addressing the situation in the most direct, unemotional, cognitively intelligent, and hopefully um, effective way possible okay so like so anger can serve as a distraction it distracts us especially especially if it's anger toward the other person because again then you have this this emotional interaction that's distracting both of you from negotiating what what is right and what is fair okay um another one a lot of times like let's say you're watching politics on on tv and like you know if you're like most people, you've got, like, views that you're, like, really, really for, views that you're really, really against, okay? And on TV, you know, they make it a point to highlight those differences. They'll, you know, they'll, they'll sensationalize them. They'll just, like, you know, they'll make them very clear and very strong, these, these, these points. They'll, in fact, they'll try to get you angry. They'll try to evoke an emotional reaction from you because they have found in their research that to the extent you're emotionally connected to their broadcast, you're going to watch it more, okay? And they, they don't really care about your emotional welfare as much as they care about the profits that come in from when you watch them, they get advertising revenues, all right? So, like, so the idea is, like, so you're watching politics, and invariably you're going to hear a lot of things from a lot of people you know, that you disagree with. I mean, if you're, a, um, let's say, a Democrat, you know, about a third of the electorate of the, you know, voting public is Republican. So, um, another, like, you know, 10% may just not agree with what you're saying, whatever. So there's going to be generally a lot of times at least a third of the population that you're going to be pleased with. So what happens, you know, like each time you, you watch people advance or promote or champion 
these causes, these ideas, beliefs, attitudes, political positions that you don't agree with, you're going to like, you're going to be angry at those people. And you're not, not just going to be angry at those people. If like you're a Democrat, you're going to be angry at the Republicans. You know, um, you're going to be angry at groups of people. If, if you're a liberal, you're going to be angry with conservatives. You know, it's going to be like a pervasive kind of anger. And, you know, this is like, this isn't just like, negative to feel because like it, it doesn't feel good to kind of like have as adversaries entire collections of people but it also it also drives the kind of like you know political divisions the political differences that are, are actually like blowing up in the Middle East right now you had Libya Egypt Syria you know Turkey now I mean all these all these countries you know that I think a lot of it's being fueled by the poverty there but they, you know, they are um, expressing their anger, you know, based on this belief that people are fundamentally morally responsible for what they do. And they're, they're killing each other. It's insane. All right. So like, so, you know, like with politics, to the extent that, you know, you understand that we don't have a free will. Fine. You may not agree with what people are saying, with what they're championing or what they're championing, you know, um, whether what they're you know, countering what they don't like, what they say that, you know, is wrong, whatever. But at least, at least you would preserve your feelings toward them, positive feelings, you know, because, you, you know, no reason to not feel positively toward everyone, really, and, and toward groups of people, you know. So it makes things less, less unpleasant. Okay. All right. Another one. Um, more personal this time. You're, you, you get, you know, your girlfriend breaks up with you. You know, she, you know, you know, you know what you did wrong. Whatever you did something wrong. Whatever you know. You, but anyway, she breaks up with you. So what happens is like, this is kind of like similar to your boss not giving you a raise. If if your girlfriend breaks up with you and you're gonna like, you know, like hold her accountable. You know, you have a free will and you shouldn't have broken up with me. You're wrong. So like, you might tend to regress back at her that it, this is what 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 domestic fights are about you know you have couples fighting no you're wrong no you're wrong no you're wrong and and again it's the same basic principle at work with with um with a relationship between your boss and you basically to the extent that you're blaming each other for what you're feeling what you're doing what you're not doing all that stuff you're creating an adversarial relationship and it's distracting you from figuring out, well, why is she breaking up with you? Is it something you can change? Because who knows? Maybe you can't change. Maybe it's ir irreconcilable differences, whatever. You, you're better off apart. Who knows? But maybe it's not the case. Maybe it's stuff that you can work on. But the, to the extent that you're, she's, she's probably angry with you because she doesn't believe you have a free will because nobody, very few people believe it. And even people like, you know, in, in, this, in this phase of civilization, even if you do believe that we don't have a free will, you're so conditioned by the rest of society to believe that everyone has a free will, you'll probably nonetheless act as if you believe you have a free will. So, like, you know, that's how pervasive and insidious and, you know, harmful this belief is. You know, even, even if you know that uh, we don't have a free will, again, the conditioning is so strong, you'll more than, than likely more likely than not, you know, act according to that belief. That's not to say you can't overcome it, because you can. I've been working on that, but it's hard. You know, it'd be much easier if everybody all got together on this. We can't, I can't blame us, but that's what it is. All right, so that, so like, you know, with your girlfriend and you, so like, to the extent that you're not angry with her and she's not angry with you because you don't believe in free will, neither of you believe in free will, 
you can um, negotiate and you know find a compromise. Just at least understand the dynamics of whatever better, because a lot of times the anger, the the the, the blaming and all comes between that. It doesn't allow you to get from that step of like, wow, something's wrong, to like, well, wow, what, what, is, what should be done about it? Okay, another one, another domestic kind of like a conflict. And this time, you know, we're going to like, let's, for this scenario, they, the couple both understand that free will is absolutely impossible. Well, first, like, let's start like, all right, first they believe that, that they both have a free will. So, like, what happens is the, the husband cheats on, on the wife, okay? Just like as with someone else, okay? So then, like, what happens is the wife will feel betrayed, will feel, you know, the person's been, been dis, disloyal. And along with the, the kind of, like, the, the, the obvious and clear negative ramifications of such a betrayal, you know, if they believe in free will, that... that person, whether it's a husband or wife, whatever, I guess the husband cheating this, the wife is going to believe that that husband is just like a horrible person, you know, disloyal, just completely um, neglectful of her feelings and of wisdom and of goodness and whatever. All right, so like what happens is to the extent that um, she believes he has a free will, she's going to rail into him. I mean, so many divorces, so many, you you know, and who knows, maybe disloyalty is that kind of a um, a red line in the sand, whatever, that line in the sand where, you know, for many couples that you can't stay together after something like that has happened. But, but you know, in some cases, you know, um, let's say a couple's been together for 20, 30 years, and, you know, let's say the guy was, I don't know, drunk, whatever, I don't know. So there, there could be, like, mitigating something. Or the other thing is, like, you know, we're all fallible, so whatever, we, we might make mistakes like that. So sometimes, to some people, it might be worth it to kind of like forgive the person and continue an otherwise good and healthy relationship than end it because of something like that. But what happens is, all right, you know, the person believes they have a free will, the wife believes, and so they, they, they become angry at each other, and that's going to escalate into a huge fight, okay? Now, again, to the extent that, like, let's say both of them believe that, that free will is impossible, fine. They might, you know, sit down very, very civilly, without anger, without recrimination, because they're, they're going to both understand, ah, oh, this is horrible, because, like, they're not going to blame each other. The wife is going to understand that the husband had absolutely no choice but to do what he did. Okay, so that, that's, that's going to be crystal clear to both of them. So, in other words, she's not going to be accusing him or, or aggressing toward him personally, you know, indicting him, you know, for what he did. And as a result, or also as a result of his understanding that he doesn't have a free will, he's not going to be blame, blaming himself. So what are they going to do? Together, as a team, as a couple, they're going to be asking, well, why would the universe do this to us? You know, we have this good marriage going. You know, why would the universe make us go through this? Okay, and sometimes, you know, they might find, well, what happens is like, when something like this happens, you know, and they can, like, successfully navigate it, you know, especially by understanding that neither of them has a free will, then may- maybe they c- might come out of it understanding how much they mean to each other. Maybe they've been taking each other for granted and they haven't really, you know, really appreciated how much they love each other. And also, some- sometimes situations like this, you know, can have this, like, silver lining that can make things better. But anyway, at least, at least it's done without the recrimination. Okay, we're running out of time. We've got about three minutes left. 
I have another one. It's about like the, your teenage child comes home late. Same thing. Same, same, same. Apply what I just said to that, too. It's the same kind of thing. All right, now here's the thing. With anger, sometimes, especially with young kids, like, you know, it's not good to be angry, but sometimes you might, like, need to act as if you're angry, act firm, like, you know, you shouldn't have done this, you know, this, you know, kind of like to have a stern voice, whatever. But inside, you're not feeling angry with the kid, and, you, and hopefully you're, not letting, you're letting the kid know that you're not really angry with them. You're, you're just trying to express the, uh, the importance of the matter. Okay, but again, with the kid, you, you wouldn't blame the kid because they don't have the free will or whatever. Okay, now... So who do you like? All right, so something happens. Any of these cases happens. You might want to be angry at the universe or God because who knows? Maybe they don't have a free will, but, you know, the only rational kind of like target for this kind of stuff is the universe or God. So all right, fine. You might want to be angry at the universe or God. I struggle with that. Sometimes I don't know whether that's the, the best approach, you know, whether it might actually be better not be angry at anything. But, but at least, again... If you, if you feel the need to, d- to direct the anger at something, and you can't direct it at yourself or at others, fine. You direct it at God. You direct it at the universe. But at least it preserves your relationships with human beings, you know, that, that are hurt by your anger and that can hurt you by theirs. Okay. So basically, you know, this, this thing about overcoming the illusion of free will as it relates to anger and how anger poisons, the, the free will belief poisons, you know, angry relationships has to do with nav- navigating challenging situations in the best way possible, okay? You know, to the extent that you understand that people don't have a free will, you don't have a free will, nobody has a free will, you can navigate these challenges more pleasantly. Anger is not a pleasant emotion, damn it. <laughs> it's, I mean, you can enjoy anger, but it's, ordinarily it's not a pleasant thing, okay? Um, also, again, with, to the extent that you understand nobody has a free will, your arguments, you know, your differences of opinion, whatever, are going to be less likely to escalate, okay? If you're not angry with them, if you're not targeting them for their, your anger, and they're not targeting you for, for whatever, um, you're not going to be targeting each other. So, like, escalation has to do with, like, you know... You know, recrimination, crimination, recrimination, and vengeance and revenge, and you know, escalating like that. So, like, if you're not targeting each other, that's not going to happen. Okay. And lastly, you know, you're just not going to be distracted at dealing directly, effectively, and sanely with with the uh, issue at hand. Okay. That's very, very important. All right. Well, I hope you understand now how um, one that free will is an illusion because I think this this basic um, causality explanation that I gave you may have to hear it a hundred times because that's how you know I hope you get that free will is an illusion and that to the extent that you believe in it you know whenever you become angry because like anger is like ubiquitous I mean you're going to get angry at some times to the extent you understand that nobody has a free will you'll be able to navigate that anger and the situations that it involves much more effectively. All right, this is George Ortega saying, I'll see you next time. Thanks for watching.